Welcome to Leading Women, your place to share and celebrate real stories and access the tools and resources to help activate your leadership. Hi, I'm Julianne Price, Executive Manager of ComBank's Women in Focus. And Leading Women is just one of the ways we support women at all stages of their business journey. So, no matter where you are on your journey, we're here. Enjoy this episode as we redefine the business landscape together. Welcome to Leading Women, where we support your leadership journey. I'm your host, Shivani Gopal, and today's episode is a vital conversation with vulnerability to shine the light on navigating leadership through cultural adversity. You'll absolutely love this chat with Tarsi Lu, a seasoned executive director and impactful CEO who's had a twist at every turn in her leadership journey. Migrating from China to Australia as a talented global marketing director, Tarsi was faced with two options, changing her name to mask her identity or starting her career again from scratch. In taking option B, she has gone from zero to CEO in record time. Sharing how she faced a mirror with two reflections, Tarsi had to balance her Eastern identity with her Western environment. Her learnings? Believe in yourself and push forward no matter how many rejections you experience. Enjoy as we dive deeply into the concept that diversity is the new normal to usher in a fresh era of leadership. Tarsi, a big welcome to Leading Women. Tell me, where are you joining us from today? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm really thrilled to be here. I'm joining from Melbourne on the January country. Oh, wonderful. And I have the great pleasure of joining you from Sydney and I'm on Gadigal land and really looking forward to this half hour with you. Tarsi, yours is an incredible leadership journey with a twist at every turn. Can you share with us your success path through adversity to here? I love the phrase of twist at every turn. It's definitely a summary of my career so far. I was born in China, um, in the small town in northern China, and both my parents are factory workers. So they really just wanted me to have a normal life, married to a good man, have a good career in there, you know, in a small town and like everybody else. Um, I'm the little girl that who dreamed big and I really wanted something different. So I started my career in China as a very successful marketing director for a world-leading drone company, which is very unusual already. It's, um, you know, for robots and all that stuff. Then I moved to Australia, started from a new industry, from a new role, from marketing to sales, really started from a sales rep to a CEO in six years. There is so much to explore there. And I love that you carved your own take on what is a normal life. Your leadership journey on that in itself just wasn't a linear path. You're, of course, a very successful executive, but you did have challenging times where your expertise didn't translate from China to Australia. How did you navigate not being able to secure work? That was the hardest transition I ever had in my career so far. When I was in China, I was very successful, so really on the top of the hill that every company that wants to me go and leading their marketing events. I was very international. I was leading the teams in the Europe, teams in the US. So I had this oddly 
confident that I can do anything and I can do anywhere. With that mindset, I thought, you know, come to Australia, a new country. There's so much more I can do. And the reality is um, it was very, very, very hard, very devastating at that time, to be honest. I just had my second baby. I could not find a job for six months. I applied thousands and thousands of applications. It's all rejections. There's no interview. It was just no hope at that time, I feel. So my husband literally gave me two options. One is change your last name to his last name, which is English. So I have more chance to, you know, buy people to open my CV and to give that opportunity that I, I should be able to get interviews. Or the second option is forget the past, forget how glory my past is. Just really thinking that you just graduates, you have no experience, you don't have university degree. What would you do in the new country? Start up from a very bottom role. And I took the option too, because I don't want to change my last name, even I could. I feel like if people want to hire me, they hire who I am. Not because my race, not because my gender, not because you know, everything else, it should be just be me. The person that they hired could do the job. I just literally choose option two. I forgot my past. You know, it doesn't matter how successful I used to be. I start from zero. I took a sales rep role at that time. Even that role, I had five interviews, believe it or not. No one believed I can do that job. But, um, but I appreciate the opportunity that I ever had that lead to today. Six years later, I'm a CEO. And six years later, you're the CEO. There's so much Adam Grant and Sheryl Sandberg in that advice. You know, I choose option B. I choose option two in your husband's advice case. And uh, you had two opportunities for a clean slate. You drew your own. But so much of that came from unexpected bias and hurdles. Can you tell me a little bit more about some of these hurdles that you didn't expect? So, I mean, there's so many different hurdles in terms of looking for jobs, for example, to start with. And you've got people come to you and saying that maybe you should ask for this much because you're not experienced enough or you don't have a degree in this country or, you know, you're Chinese. You know, direct answer is like that. Why? Why would you ask that much? So there's a lot of hurdles that I fight for. Um, I literally said, why can't I? You know, I have the knowledge, I have the skill, I can do the job. So why can't I ask the same treatment? So so there's a lot of those kind of things happening in every day, every, you know, jobs that I applied. So different, different reactions to it as well. Goodness, that is so confronting when your very identity is being thrown back at you as a hurdle because you're Chinese. And yet we need more Chinese leaders. We need more diverse leaders so that we can actually identify as the diverse country that we supposedly are. Now, you've been through so much, having to go through six months after being so incredibly experienced, but also so successful and so capable And then coming here and hitting roadblock after roadblock, I imagine you've learned a lesson or two that you could share with us on resilience. I think it's really keep in mind that you can do everything. It just, you need that opportunity. So really believe in yourself. And sometimes a lot of people saying that I've so successful before, I've done this and that, it doesn't really matter. In the end is finding that just put your foot 
um, at the door, you know, starting somewhere, giving that starting point to make you have the opportunity to accelerate your skill. And because if you're gold, you'll shine everywhere, right? So you got to make sure that you push yourself forward. Don't give up. Don't because everyone's saying no, that means you are useless. It's really because they haven't seen you yet. So that's that's what I believe is doesn't really matter how much rejection I had. I can change a little bit my CV, but doesn't change my personality because I believe I can do the job. That's that's the strong belief in me. I can change my CV, but it doesn't change my personality. That is a quotable right there from Tarsi Lu. Thank you for that massive nugget of gold. Now, along the way in building your strength and resilience and just backing yourself, and I have so much yes and so much time for that. At the same time, you did have, as you've just said, a lot of naysayers, a lot of people saying, hey, you know, you can't expect that salary or you, you know, you're not going to get that role because you're Chinese. And in fact, you actually had people tell you to shrink back and conform. And you decided to buck against that trend. What inner monologue did you have? What reflections can you share with us that made you fight those conformities? So I think what I did in the current roles or, you know, in my past career is really putting myself, even though I had a very different, unique background, I put myself with similar with everybody else in this diversity country. So really you know, I deserve everybody else's the same treatment and I endorse everyone else's doing the same. So really, sometimes I felt like the box and the glass ceiling, or we call we still call it bamboo ceiling, is we put on ourselves rather than everybody else did it. So my advice is to really stick to who you are and just push forward. Yeah, there's so much gold in that. And, you know, I I often say a version of that, which is confidence is an act of equality. And I love how you've just so beautifully articulated that we deserve to be equals because we are, and so we will behave exactly in that way. And Tarsi is a diverse leader myself. Can I just share that I often find that people who don't support you haven't done so because they haven't been able to support themselves and probably haven't achieved those things themselves. So, The best way to move forward is to role model it yourself. And you've done that for generations to come, Tarsi. So so well done you. Let's take a different note because, of course, there was so much adversity. There was so much resilience that had to come from within you. But thankfully, that didn't last forever because there was a point where you were tapped on the shoulder to take on an ambitious role like many of us women leaders are. And I'm sure at that time, there was a lot going through your mind. Maybe some of it was, oh, goodness, can I do this? Should I do this? Tell me, what made you say yes to take the opportunity? So when I got the opportunity, I was thrilled to start with and then scared. And I have never done a CEO before. I was always marketing director or sales director in my um, pathway. CEO is a very different role. It's more comprehensive. It's people management. It's financials. It's legal. It's governance. There's so much things that I'm not aware of, you know, in the past career or I'm not great at yet. So very scary to think about that offer. And then I just, it, that scariness happened, I, I would say, last for a couple of hours. And I said, hey, it's a lifetime opportunity. I got to take it. If I don't take the opportunity, 
I won't land. I want to see what's the out there. It's like when I was in China, I've never imagined to step out of China. I don't know what's the world look like to me. But here I am, traveled eighteen countries, and say I can do everything. I think it's the same mindset that come to to push me say. Yes, you've never done it, and you probably very lack experience, or honestly, all your teams will be more senior than you. But they choose you because they believe in you, and you can bring something back to this job as well. If I don't do the job, I will never see what's out there. So yeah, that that's pretty much my mindset, and I just like I gotta do it. You know what I love so much about that, Tarsi? It's you didn't deny yourself any of those negative self-doubt feelings. You let it seep in. You felt it all. And then after a couple of hours, you went, well, you know what? Despite all of that, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to do it anyway. The interesting thing is, as you know, that women will generally not apply for roles unless they feel that they qualify for every single dot point on that JD, you know, short for job description for example. And in your case, as you said, there was compliance, there was finance, there was all of these things that you didn't feel ready for. How did you prepare yourself to be successful in that kind of role, sort of flying the plane and building the plane at the same time by the sounds of things? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So again, I think I'm very honoured or uh, very thrilled to have the opportunity and people to believe in you. And I think it comes both ways, right? So for employees or self who are looking for jobs, and especially for women, we shouldn't really just tick every single box because that's a wish list for the company wants to have. They want to have the best employee in the world. They want everything. But it's really hard to find the person who has everything. But you learn that the job and you learn um, along the skills that you have. I'm maybe not the best lawyer in the world. I couldn't, maybe should never be, but it doesn't stop me to understand the mindset of what is right or wrong. And how do I find the best lawyer to support me to do the job, you know, to fight every single law case? I may be not the best in numbers, but it's okay. I can find and endorse the best CFO to support me along the journey. So I think I put this role more like uh, leading and really putting all the great talent together. I make them holding hands to work together as a team and then to excel the results for the outcome for the business. On the other hand, I wanted to shout out for all the companies who is really looking. It's the mindset should setting from the top, because apart from you want the perfect employee work for you, but what can you bring for them as well? Do you really give them equal opportunities? Do you really step outside the comfort zone and saying, "Hey, this person is on the you know developing"? Do you give them opportunity rather than say, "I only want somebody who has twenty years experience"? So I think it's both ways. I love the simplicity of that advice. You just learn on the job. And there was so much Richard Branson-esque in your advice as well. You don't need to be the best at everything. You just surround yourself with really good people who know what they're doing. Tarsi, I wonder if that also extends to your leadership team, because of course, you came into a CEO role as a young CEO, where most of your leadership team had many years of experience and probably more years in the industry than you did yourself. Yet you led that team so successfully. What was your blueprint around that? I think to me it's trust and transparent. I, I accepted and I, I meant that I'm not the most experienced CEO they could ever find in this world. But then I put honesty and transparency to them that every direction I go, 
I tell them the reason why, and that most people wanted to know the reason why rather than just do it. So in my team, it's really understand the why, what the company that we're building. We wanted to make it profitable. We want to make the brand last for hundred years. Those are the principles. You know, the product that we create is for the best quality ever. So with that principles, and we call it non-negotiables. Items, and then we talk about how do we set strategy for the business, right? But with that, the team has their input, their expertise, their experience, and knowledge will build into that journey with me. I'm just the one, just really driving the play, but they are the one make it happen. I love the term non-negotiables. It's so finite, and it's something that we would just respect. What kind of non-negotiables did you have? for your leadership journey? So to me, it's the trust. As I said, come back to the transparency. Uh, Everybody, how do I put this way, is trust comes both ways. Like I can open my heart to you, but if the people doesn't really trust the leadership and it give you feedback and you just ignore it, it never would have worked. It's really, you as a leader, I ask for it. And I have to push myself to go and beyond because you, you don't want to just sit in the chair and say, oh, I want to trust and transfer. And things doesn't come that way. You got to ask for it. You got to acknowledge it. And you got to really respect and accept it, whether it's good or bad. You know, you can choose how you accept it, the way how you accept it. But you got to really, really make sure that you action on any feedback, whether it's good or bad. It's so important, as you've said, trust and transparency. And just as you've highlighted, it's got to work both ways because for often female leaders, this can be a real tightrope. It can sometimes even be a poisonous chalice because if you don't get it back on the other side, then you end up being far too vulnerable. You're the person who has overexposed yourself and overshared and you're just not getting it back. So how do you manage that in order to make sure that you can share your vulnerability, but someone else is also doing the same back for you? That takes time, honestly, and obviously different personality react different ways. There's no workplace, there's no absolutely right or wrong. How do you define the trust? I've been, I've been, I had the I would say the ups and downs. I've I've been, you know, putting a lot of faith in people and then they failed me miserably as well. So those experiences and those examples happened. But doesn't because you've been bit by a snake and you're never gonna trust people again, you gotta to keep going. You have to manage your expectations. You have as female leader, we always been a lot of people would describe when you're trying to be too open as em- emotional. That's the words they'll say, oh, you're too emotional about stuff. But the thing is, it's really not. It's how you have a really kind heart, how you believe and your direction of the strategy and how you really act on it. Mm, Some sage advice there. I want to double down on some of this advice because, of course, you've become an incredibly successful executive and CEO at such a young age. And there is no wage for success. You know, you could be young or old, but managing to do it at a young age is always the dream. What advice do you have for other young leaders and young CEOs out there around some of the particular challenges that they face and how they may circumnavigate it? It's really believing in yourself. You will have thoughts all the time. You know, you will have those embarrassed moments that you just don't know it. 
and that is okay. That is totally fine, because you you don't know it, but doesn't means you can't pick it up and quickly know it.、And、the second time, don't make the mistake again. That's what I say, because you no one's perfect. No one's gonna make sure that I never make any mistakes. But when you make this, it's just accept it、um, and honor it, and don't make the same silly mistakes twice. That's most important thing, and you got a lifelong time ahead of you. And when you think at this particular moment, are you like, "Oh my God, this is really terrible," and I've said something so silly, and five years later, that's nothing. Really, just just pass on and really work on the next, and how do you excel yourself, and how do you lift your game up next time? You know, a great mentor once told me that if you screw up, take a step back and think. Where does this really sit in the scheme of things? And it allows you to have some context and forgive yourself. And what I love about your advice is this freedom of yeah, you'll make mistakes, just don't make that same mistake the second time round. Actually, learn from it. There's a real sense of power within that, Tarsi. There's so much more that I want to chat about, but there's this other area that I absolutely must explore with you, and that is this conflicting background that you would have no doubt have had from your own sense of identity and fierce ambition, but also the cultural background in which you've been brought up in, and through your leadership journey, from your work ethic to accepting awards and recognition that you may not have been comfortable with because of your cultural upbringing. Can you share with us your experience and vision around harnessing diversity when it comes to female leadership? It is a very tricky one and hard one for me.、Um, in my whole life, I would divide my life into half and half. So I was born and raised and educated in China, so with all the great culture, Eastern culture. And then I worked most of the time in Australia and. I traveled a lot of countries. I've seen a lot, and so my working career is really Westernized. So I've been working with a lot of people from different backgrounds. So they give me different mindset of the work ethic from different country. So it's really conflict information sometimes to myself as well. In my culture, Eastern culture is all about being humble, being quiet, especially being a woman should not. Acting certain way, should not、um, speak up, should just accept what has been given to you. Do not negotiate. I've actually suffered a lot from that, and sometimes it's it's kind of in my muscle memory that I automatically will go that way. Whenever there's issue or there is a negotiation problem, I will just like, oh, don't worry about it. Just let it go. And that leads a lot of bad financial decisions in terms of career. You know, I start with I never negotiate salary. I I just don't know how. I don't even have the courage to ask the question. What is your range? I was so scared to ask those questions because my cultural background. And then I guess along the way, I kind of build that confidence. But still, those kind of influence will. Not suffering in terms of financial, but also in some of the strategic decisions that I'm making, I'll be like, "Oh, is my board going this way? Is the executive leadership goes that way?" So you know, I always put a. It's like being a mom; you think about everybody else before yourself, right? But I've also developed another piece of of me. The Western side of my side is really 
to forget about the surrounding, thinking about what is most important for the business. So if I'm in this seat right now today, I'm leading this business, the business financial, the business outcome, and the business people is my priority. Everything else comes second. So if I do this, how do I support those people in this company? How do I make this business profitable? How do I grow the revenue? So then I, I really put this focus up and make sure that my adjustment based on my experience and my executive leadership's experience, that would push the right strategy forward. So I will stand up to argue with people who is not buying. I will stand up to argue and speak up why the reason we do this. So there's no perfect answer to the question. I would really, I'm still suffering till today with my both Eastern Western culture background. I'm still tightening the ropes every day, but I finding myself stronger and stronger every single day because I'm really trying to push the boundaries and make sure that I have this goal, what I believe is right. It sounds like you've certainly found a way around it. A mirror with two reflections, if you will, you know, your Chinese self and then your Western self, as you put it. And I'm so glad that you think about things in the term of what is best for the business, because what is also best for the business is that the executive who leads the business, the CEO who leads the business is well remunerated. Because after all, money is the universal currency of value. And if you don't ask for your worth, you're effectively saying you don't value yourself. And so I'm so glad that you found a way around that. I'd love to end now with a closing question around how we can together activate women's leadership, because of course, we are committed to that here at Leading Women. Tell me what tool has ignited your leadership that you can share with us for the Leadership Toolbox? To me, all my experience and all my journey so far is do not never doubt about yourself. Believe in yourself and push yourself forward. Doesn't matter rejections, millions or trillions. Just push yourself forward and believe, believe. No matter how many rejections, push yourself forward and just believe. Sage advice from Tarsi Lu. Tarsi, thank you so much for joining us at Leading Women today. Thank you for helping me. Thanks for listening to Leading Women, where we can all activate and redefine the business landscape. So now it's over to you. Access the links, tips and tools discussed in this episode at womeninfocus.com.au and subscribe to Leading Women so you don't miss an episode. Leave a review, spread the word and let's commit to keeping the conversation going at hashtag leadingwomenAUS.